0: You are listening to Rotoviz Radio, a fantasy football
1: podcast, with your host, Matthew Friedman. Hey everyone, I'm Matt Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle of the Action Network in Rotoviz. Welcome to a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Today we are talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. In between the NFL Combine and the draft, I am interviewing beat reporters for every franchise, 32 teams, 32 beat writers, and 32 episodes. We're covering team needs, free agency, draft rumors, basically everything between now and day one of the draft. For this episode, I am joined by J.P. Shadrick of Jaguars.com. He's a radio and TV personality and writer for the team. In this episode, he talks with us about the team's commitment to the running game, what the pass-catching unit looks like now that the Allens, Robinson, and Hearns are no longer in Jacksonville, and whether Blake Bortles is really the long-term quarterback for the Jaguars. Before we get to the guest, I'd like to remind you that you can get a listener's only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, roto slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all the premium NFL content on the site, and it supports the pod. All right, let's get to the guest. Please welcome to the show J.P. Shadrick of Jaguars.com and Jaguars Radio Network. You can follow him on Twitter at J.P. Shadrick, where he provides up-to-the-minute news on everything to do with the Jacksonville Jaguars. J.P., thanks for taking the time to talk with us.
2: Hey, good to be with you, and this is a fun time of year, coming off of a great run in 2017 and a little bit of free agency so far. And now the draft coming up, it's a good time to be around the Jags.
1: Yeah, a fantastic run last year. And uh, speaking of run, the team has uh, seemingly beefed up its running game even more with the addition of Andrew Norwell. They just signed him to a five-year, $66.5 million contract, $30 million guaranteed uh, how big of an upgrade do you think that is for the offensive line? And do you think that that means the team intends to continue with the ground-focused strategy it had last year?
2: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a slam dunk. They're going to run the football. Um, they said that before all of this. And then you go out and get a first-team all-pro left guard and, and Andrew Norwell. Uh, I mean, the guy is a fantastic player, obviously. So you've got Cam Robinson at left tackle. You have Andrew Norwell, a first-team all-pro at left guard the highest-paid center in the league in Brandon Linder, uh, I think they're going to be running to the left a little bit uh, here in Jacksonville coming up in the next uh, months or so. And that's okay. That's what they want to do. They wanted to beat the run game. Yeah, they were first in the league in, in running the football last year statistically, but the last half of the season, uh, really the last month at times, it just didn't have that feel. You know, There were times where they had trouble running the ball when they needed to and then they wanted to. Um uh, case in point, that's that uh, game against the Patriots, the AFC Championship game, they had the lead. They weren't able to run the ball. They weren't able to, to drive the ball after getting that fumble recovery by Miles Jack, and they had to go three and out and pump the ball. Um, so that's a perfect time to be able to run the football when you want to, when they know that you that you want to run the ball. Um, so you got to go upgrade it. So uh, they weren't resting on that number one ranking in, in rushing, not at all. Uh, They felt like it was a place to improve and that's a good place to start is the offensive line to bring in a a top-tier guard who right away should uh, upgrade that uh, front five, no doubt about it.
1: So Leonard Fournette, uh, rookie last year, You know, at times he, uh, I mean, fantastic domination at times, and then other times he you know was out, struggled some with some injuries. What are the thoughts around him with the organization? Is there the thought that he really is the guy who's going to be able to uh, carry a lot of the workload moving forward?
2: Uh, Yeah, he's the guy. I mean, you don't spend that kind of draft capital if he's not the guy. Uh, They're going to run him and run him and run him until – they either don't control his rights anymore or he's gone. You know, that's kind of how it works. He's the running back here, and he's going to get the the, the workhorse carries. And, you know, there were times last year, early in the season, he had those big breakaway runs. The huge game in Pittsburgh was a huge statement for him and this Jaguars team. Uh, but later in the year, he had an ankle issue, and I don't know if he really looked totally the same after that. You know, he didn't quite have that burst that he had early in the season to, to break away and, and get those big, long, open field runs. Uh, now, I will say this, too. He was going up against eight, nine men boxes at times. So if they're stacking the box against, you know what you're going to do, there's not a lot of room to be able to break through a lot of that. So the second half of the season, there was a lot of that. But that's where the offensive line comes in. Hey, you know that's going to happen. So you got to block it better. Uh, if you're Leonard Fournette, stay healthy. Um, and, and follow that line to uh, open space. And so, yeah, he's a the guy. There's no doubt about that. Uh, now, the supporting cast around him might be a, a, a little bit different. Uh, one guy's gone with Ivory out of here. But uh, other than that, yeah, Leonard's the main guy, and the supporting cast might have one new face, but that's about it.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that new face, Corey Grant. Uh, is someone who seems to be in position to get a little more playing time. Uh, he was tendered at the second-round level. TJ Yeldon is steer, uh, still there. How do you think the the playing time is going to split between those two guys and what their roles are going to be?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, uh, Corey Grant just got paid, I think, nearly $3 million for this coming season I'm signing that tender the other day. So that's great for him, and he's a fantastic weapon. He's starting to find a little bit of wiggle in his game, if you will. Um, you know, he was all, when he first came in the league. He was a straight line, track style runner. I mean, he could run in a straight line faster than anybody on the football field. But as a running back, as you know, uh, that doesn't really equate to success a lot of times. But as the years have gone by, the last couple of years, he's improved his game a bit, and you saw what he could do in the NFC Championship game when they put him outside. Uh, and lined him up out there and threw the ball to him or ran him wide, they didn't really have an answer in the first half for him, and they didn't go back to him in the second half. So um, that was a little bit of a wake-up call for what he could do for this Jaguars team. Yeldon is still around. I uh, remember he was a second-round pick just a few years ago, and they like what he can do to spell uh, Leonard Fournette. So it's uh, a juggle between those two guys. I wouldn't be shocked if Tim could draft a guy. I don't think it's 29th overall, mind you, but I think they'll draft a running back at some point and, and make that a, a four-horse race in the backfield uh, like, like they really want it to be. But, yeah, when you're paying Corey Grant nearly $3 bucks, it's not just a running game. It's a special team's uh, ability that he brings in the returning game and all that. And uh, for TJ Neldon, he's been a solid player. You know, it hasn't, I don't know if you ever live up to the hype, I mean, depending on your statistics, second-round pick, what you really expect, I don't know. Uh, but there have been some times where he's been banged up some, too. I think he's healthy now, and he's a good complement, at least, to to what Leonard Burnett brings. Different styles of running backs, all three of those guys, really.
1: You mentioned that last year, especially in the second half of the season. Uh, The offense was running against a lot of stacked boxes. Uh, You know That can happen if the opposing defense doesn't really respect the passing game what, I mean, what, what is happening with the, the passing game in Jacksonville? Allen Robinson is gone, and it, it's a move that makes sense. Um, they brought in Dante Moncrief, Marquise Lee is there, uh, Dee, Dee Westbrook, Keelan Cole. They brought in Austin Safarian Jenkins uh, and Niles Paul. Uh, what do you think of this wide receiving, or th- this pass-catching unit in general? Can we expect to see more from them this year?
2: I think that's the hope, you know, they still are going to be a run 1st team. That's, that's what they're going to be. And then you, you throw off the run and they feel like Blake Wells is a guy that, uh, that showed at least last year, he was able to do that in key situations and in key ball games late like the season and the postseason. He was able to make big throws at key times, even when things weren't going well, um, they, they relied on that. Yeah, Mercedes Lewis is out of here, 12th year, going into his 13th season. That's a big change, not only in the passing game, but in the run game. He was huge in the blocking scheme for the Jaguars offense. So he's gone. So Jenkins, Jenkins, uh, you know, he's had his off-field issues before. They feel like that's passed him by. So why not let him run around a little bit? And he's big enough. They feel like he can at least uh, be willing and block. From time to time, and that's a, that's what this offense means for the tight end. The receiver crew is totally different, obviously. Alan Robinson out of here. Alan Hearns is out of here now. He just signed with the, the Dallas Cowboys, I believe, was announced earlier. So uh, th- those guys, four years ago, I mean, they were, you know, two years ago, they were huge pieces. They both had a thousand yards in a season. First time that's happened here in a long time. Uh, but that's not the point of this offense right now. I mean, they feel like they can get by with um, guys that they're developing at wide receiver, like Keele and Cole and, and D.D. Westbrook, who came on late in the season after an early season injury last year. And uh, they them with a guy like Moncrief, who's been banged up in his career, but they feel like this could be a chance for him to, to finally get right. And with everything they're doing on the offensive line and the run game, um, they can, they can get by with this group and, and not only get by, I think they, they've, See, the future pretty bright for this group. Now, it's not going to be a 4,000-yard passing quarterback this year, and that's not like Portals, and that's not this offense. But uh, in key situations, I feel that uh, they feel, at least, that uh, this is the group that can get them uh, over, the, over the finish line and makes a big place for them.
1: Can you talk a little bit more about D.D. Westbrook? He's someone uh, who particularly intrigues me. I think he was probably under-drafted in the fourth round, given the athleticism that he has and the production that he had in college. Uh, is there some sense that he could really develop into the lead wide receiver for the unit?
2: Yeah, I don't know about lead. You remember when he was drafted, there were some like, questions about his off-field issues. He had some uh, off-field incident at Oklahoma and all this, and and moved into to OU after we community college and said some off field stuff uh, outside of that. Um, so his size, I don't think he's a number one guy. He's not six, three and 230 pounds. That's not him. They can run a four, four. Now he's quick, great slot receiver. I don't know if he's going to out jump much of anybody, but if you get in the ball, in a little bit of space now and he gets a little wiggle, he can go to the house and, uh, as as he came on last year, uh, you know he's a very confident guy because he won the Bollettanca Award in the for college and all that. Uh, but he had that injury early in the season. It was his turning turning so he, you know, he was off to the side. And then late in the year came on, and as the, the games
1: were on,
2: started to get more balls his way and making plays and uh, scored a touchdown later in the year. So yeah, I don't I, I, number one guy. I don't know. Uh, I don't I don't think that's uh, that's Didi's Dee role here. That's probably more of a at least for this offense, uh, a Moncrief for somebody like that could step in. Elon Cole could be that guy at some point, but he is skinny now. He's got to put on a little bit of weight to be able to, to get off jams at the line and all that, but they like his speed and ability downfield to go up and get balls as well. So, yeah, Dini is a big piece of this thing. Don't underestimate that. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, he has that ability to, to kind of change things up in the wide receiver room and, and give you a little wrinkle that you really haven't seen here before.
1: Yeah, it's, it, I mean, when you, you say upside, guys hardly ever really hit their upside. But I think he does have some T.Y. Hilton-esque type of upside. Like, if he were to be a, a quote-unquote number one, I think it would be more in that T.Y. Hilton type of vein as opposed to the the prototypical big-bodied guy that most teams want. Right, and that's the thing for this one. There's we, really not a
2: big body guy on this offense, you know. The, the, even Allen uh, Robinson was not that guy. He was, you know, tall but he wasn't going to outrun you. You know, he was going to jump you. He did that very well. Um, but they haven't really had that big-body guy around here. So it's a matter of what you do and what you have and how you put those pieces together. So him and uh, Keelan Toll together, and now Moncrief in the equation, who is a freak athlete, by the way, if he's healthy, uh, one of the great testers at the Combine and Pro Days when he was coming out in the draft. Uh, he's just been battling injuries. So he put those skill sets together on the field and now you got something because a defense has to account for everything that all these four different guys do.
1: You know, top to bottom, and we haven't even talked about the defense yet. But but top to bottom, you look at this roster, and it really might be one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. Which makes sense. It was it was one of the you know the final four teams left in the playoffs. Um, but you know, except for the the quarterback position, you know, you look at this team, and you and multiple times last year, you thought if they had a different quarterback maybe they could win the Super Bowl. Uh, It's not to say that that Blake Bortles hasn't done well with what the team has wanted him to do, Um, but I I think there are many people who question whether he is the long-term guy for that team. One, do you think he is the long-term guy? And then two, uh, do you think that the team will be looking to address the quarterback position in the draft?
2: Uh, Well, one, they feel that he is. since They gave him a three-year deal at least. Uh, now, there are ways out of that, of course, and, and, and to make all the contacts and all that, but they gave him a deal, and they got a great deal for him, and they did like what he was doing late in the season for this team, protecting football, and they don't have to have him stand back there and throw the ball for 4,000 yards. That, that, that's the good thing about it, and they love his competitiveness. They love his uh, ability in the locker room to, to get along with it. He's got the whole locker room on the side. They love all that stuff, you know? And there are times, I mean, in, in the playoff games where he made plays that, uh, boy, this is fantastic. This is Blake Bortles, and, and this is the Blake Bortles you liked. Um, I think the Blake Bortles of old, he's still, uh, the other team, I, I think hopefully those days are, are, for the most part, gone. He's going to make some mistakes, but as the years have gone on, he's, he's started to limit those a little bit. Now, there's only one quarterback on the roster right now. So uh, first wave of free agency has gone by uh second wave of free agency how many real quarterbacks are out there blaine gabbard ain't coming back to jacksonville i got this for you so uh yeah you're gonna have to draft quarterback and that's what this is gonna be whether it's a 29 overall whoever's around then that wouldn't be a shock to me uh, uh but at some point in this draft they're gonna have to have a quarterback to be in here to uh maybe not start this year but to develop and be a backup and, and be underneath Blake for the next couple of seasons and see what happens, of course, in those next couple of seasons with Blake Bortles. So, yeah, they he's a long-term answer. I believe them right now. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean that can't change in a year or two uh, if things go south. But uh, they got the AFC Championship game with Blake Bortles as the quarterback, and a lot of other teams did not with other quarterbacks.
1: You know, I'm so I'm just looking at this roster and it is just so incredibly stacked. And then you have the the team picking near the bottom of the first round. If Lamar Jackson is there, do you think the team would would draft him? I mean, or or just a quarterback that they that they liked? Uh, I mean, who knows if they actually like Lamar Jackson, but it, it seems like he might be the quarterback who is there. But if there's a quarterback there, do you think that they will draft him?
2: You know, let's put it this way. I don't think it's uh, out of the realm of possibility. I think it's a, 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 definitely a possibility. Uh, you know, I think it is a... They're going to get to that point. They're, they're at the point now where they added another offensive lineman. Uh, they added a tight end in free agency. They added a wider receiver. So they've addressed three key needs already in free agency. So you're going to get to the draft. You don't have to do a lot on defense. You'd like to have a linebacker at some point because Brezlesny uh, retired. You're getting to the point where okay, you've addressed your needs really in free agency. You can draft best available. Um, kind of based on whatever needs you feel are left. And one of the needs that's left is a backup quarterback or a quarterback for later. Um, so yeah, I, I don't I, I don't I'm not gonna call it right now, obviously, say they're gonna pick a quarterback, but I think it could be a quarterback. I think it could still be a tight end. I wouldn't be shocked if it's another offensive lineman to start on the right side uh, and, and really bolster that front. That wouldn't shock me at all, hearing what Tom Coughlin says over the years about how football is made to be played in the trenches. Uh, so quarterbacks on that list, there's no doubt.
1: Looking at, at the defense, you said at some point, obviously it looks like they will probably want to take a, a linebacker, uh, but there's, there are really no holes on that defense, which is incredible. With that first pick that they have, do you think they're going uh, to address the offensive side of the ball? With
2: well, the first pick, I, that, like I said, I mean, it could be, it, you know, if you asked me two months ago, three months ago, I would say, oh, of course. Yeah, the offense, that's where it needs help. You know, the, let's go get some help right now because you didn't know Paz was going to retire. You didn't know all the things that were going to happen on, you know, in, in the off season so far. But now that the agency has changed uh, some of this, I think it's more of a toss-up than you think. Just by sheer numbers of you know, kind of needs right now, I would still kind of lean towards an offensive pick, uh, depending on what's there. Now, if there's that linebacker that slips down that they really love, they feel can, can make plays, a guy like uh, maybe Evans at Alabama, uh, that wouldn't be shocked if they pull a trigger at the trigger, pull him out on a linebacker, and then figure out quarterback a little bit later. So. Uh, right now all options are open and, and that's pretty much what they're going to tell you. <laughs> they're not give you much of a, of a heads up of what they're going to do, but uh, just kind of reading the tea leaves a little bit. Uh, you know? Yeah. Th- that's definitely a possibility of linebacker quarterback. I mean, for me right now, it- it's one of those two, at least in my opinion, only
1: JP, this has been a lot of fun. One last question here, uh, based on what you've seen out of some of the prospects and then what you've seen out of the team under this new regime. Um, Are are there any players, any prospects who are really standing out to you as kind of quote unquote, like Jaguars type of players that you could really see fitting in well with the organization?
2: That's a, that's a really good question. And that's a, that's a, for any defensive player, you have to to, to fit into this locker room in Jacksonville. You gotta be a different kind of guy. Now they will not, take somebody who's going to go the wrong way and, and not do things right. Um, so uh, to point out certain prospects, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I don't know a lot of these guys personally. So, uh, But you, you got to have that mentality, a winning mentality. You know, uh, the other, the other week, Jalen Ramsey's at the Pro Day at Florida State, and Florida, he's always going to stump for his Florida State guys. That's what he does. But he knows what they've been through. And Knows how they react in certain situations. as just Kelvin Smith, the Florida State guy, too. Um, the Alabama guys. I mean, the, the guys that have been to the battles and, on a big stage in college and have come through year after year after year. I think that goes well, especially on the defensive side of the ball in this locker room. They're they're not here just to get a paycheck and play around, uh, especially on defense here. They're about they're out to go be the best defense in the National Football League, and if you're not on that train with them. Uh, it's going to be a, a long handful of seasons for you here in Jacksonville before you move on to somewhere else. Now, offensively, hey, support that run game. Uh, if you're a tight end coming in here in a draft, you better be a willing blocker because you're going to be asked to do it, and if you don't do it well, you'll be gone too. So uh, that's priority number one around here, and uh, that's the way it's going to be. Run the ball, play some defense, throw when you have to off the run. Uh, it was a winning formula last year, Now they've added some pieces, and uh, if they're going to keep adding pieces, they better fit into that formula.
1: All right, JP, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for all your insight, and we hope to talk with you again as we get closer to the season.
2: Sounds good, man. Hey, good to talk to you. Appreciate it.
1: We just finished speaking with JP Shadrick, a Jaguars beat writer for Jaguars.com. We covered a lot. Here are some thoughts on the conversation. You just look at the roster, and this team is so good. It it really might be one of the most talented rosters in the league, if not the most talented. Uh, there's not much to say about the defense. It was the best in the league. Um, you know, they created the second most turnovers. They allowed the fewest passing yards on a per drive basis. They were number one in the league in time, plays, yards, and points allowed to opponents. So. I mean, just incredibly elite with the pass rushing talent that they have and the ability to play man coverage on the outside with Jalen Ramsey and AJ Boye. uh, And then with the linebacking unit that they have with Telvin Smith and Miles Jack, they really don't have a weakness earlier in the season. They weren't, they weren't really all that great against the run, but after the midseason addition of defensive tackle, Marcel Darius, they were much better in that regard. So, uh, there's really nothing that they... They uh, absolutely must do on the defensive side of the ball, except for, you know, continue to, to add depth, to churn, hopefully, you know, maybe get a little bit younger, um, you know, add talent where where possible, but, um, you know, really a, a defense without, uh, you know, without any glaring weakness. And, you know, with the defense this doubt, uh, you know, I guess the, the team can theoretically afford to play, quote unquote, complementary football. Uh, and focus on the running game on the offensive side of the ball. And last year, that's what they did. Uh, they were first in the league in rush attempts and yards and second in rushing touchdown. Um, you know, they almost got to the Super Bowl. I don't think it's likely that they are going to change much, if anything, in terms of their uh, their schematic approach or their, their organizational mentality. Uh, you know, they went from a team that really... Performed like one of the worst teams in the league to, you know, a, a Super Bowl contending team. I don't really see why they would change um, just in terms of what their mindset probably is. I don't see why they think they should change. And so it's probably going to be more of the same this year. You know, they added left guard Andrew Norwell, you know, a, a very strong player. Uh, so they're building a strong left side of the line. Left tackle came Robinson, struggled at times last year, but you know he was a rookie, a young rookie at that, 21 for most of the season. Definitely struggled, uh, 37.6 pro football focus grade. Um, you know, One of the lowest in the league, but he has potential. So with Robinson at tackle, with Norwell at guard, and then Brandon Linder at center, he had an 84.7 PFF grade. That left side of the line could be really strong. Um you know, and if the, if that running game can get even better, um, they will probably imagine that they are justified in running the ball as often as they are. Uh, if they can run it often and then add some more efficiency, that's, that's pretty dangerous. Um, the right side of the line isn't as strong. You have AJ, um, AJ can. Yes. You have AJ can at right guard. Uh, he had a poor PFF grade last year. Uh, he's in the final year of his contract. You have right tackle Jeremy Parnell. He was okay, but he's going to be 32 this year. He has only two years left on his contract. I think that could be a place with that 29th pick uh, in the first round where the Jags look to improve their team. Um, you know, there could be some good offensive linemen uh, available at that pick. And the offensive linemen in this draft um, who stand out are guys who have been. Hyped, I guess hyped is actually the wrong word, um, who have been projected more to the right side of the line than to the left side. Um, is it a great use of a first round pick to draft a right tackle or a right guard candidate? No, probably not. Um, but the team has so few needs. And, you know, with that pick, I don't think they're going to address any of the positions that they actually probably should address. So uh, I think right tackle, uh, I think that's a possibility for something they could do uh, in the first round, Um, you know, right guard, second or third round. But I imagine that they could look to improve their offensive line there, um, you know, with the top hundred pick, given that the running game is so important to them. And uh, you can kind of get away a little bit, I think, with taking a right tackle, if he's a really good run blocker and you are very committed to the running game, I think they probably should look to address, uh, with that first round pick, you know, some, some aspect of the passing game, you know, they could look to upgrade, upgrade wide receiver or tight end, or, you know, maybe even quarterback, but they probably won't. Um, you know, maybe they will take a tight end. Um, in the, the latest mock draft, I did a fantasy labs. I had them taking a tight end, but, um, in, in a recent one, uh, or the, the next one I'm going to have coming out. I think I, I will probably change that because, uh, after cutting, uh, Mercedes Lewis, they did sign Austin Saffarian Jenkins and Isles Paul. Both of those guys are receiving tight ends, uh, with upside. And I don't think they're going to, you know, address the wide receiver position, uh, in the first round, or even with a top hundred pick after they let the Allens go. And then they re-signed Marquise Lee, um, even after he really didn't have that great of a season. Um, You know, he's been there for four years, had really only one good season. And I don't know if we could really even say that was all that good of a season. It was just, he wasn't the dumpster fire. He had been for the first couple of seasons of his career. Uh, So they re-signed him uh, and they they added Dante Moncrief. Uh, So after the addition of those guys, and then, I mean, after letting uh, Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns go, I think that really shows where the, um, where the priorities lie in the organization. Just in 2015, Robinson and Hearns both had 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns in, uh, in a season. Now they're both gone. Just It, it is incredibly uh, incredibly rare for a team to have two receivers in the same season with a 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. It almost never happens. Uh, and then just a little over two years later, both of those guys are gone. I mean, if you have two guys like that, at that season, at that point in time, you are imagining that those are the guys you are building the franchise around. Two guys with a 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. And then they're, they're both gone. Like there's been a massive organizational shift and I, I don't see them deviating from that at all. Um, so I think we're going to have more of the same uh, given the team's relative lack of interest in the wide receiver position as a whole. So I think it's going to be Lee, it's going to be Moncrief, and then we have the second year players, D.D. Westbrook and Keelan Cole. Um, wide receivers pretty much set. I mean, they also have, You know, Rashad Green, Jalen Strong on the roster, although Strong is recovering from a torn ACL. But the point is they kind of, quote-unquote, don't need wide receivers. Although, I mean, I would argue that they do uh, and that their inability to function as even a league average passing offense is what has held them back or what held them back last year in the playoffs. Um, But I think they will look at at what they have now and think that they – They don't really need to improve much in the passing game. And, of course, that gets us to Blake Bortles. Man, Uh, based on the contract that Bortles got, JP thinks that Bortles is going to be the guy there for three years. Uh, It was a three-year deal, uh, $54 million, uh, $26.5 million guaranteed. Here's the thing. It's not... It's not a massive deal. It's a massive deal for Blake Bortles relative to what people anticipated he would be worth at this point in time two years ago, or, you know, when he was basically a dumpster fire. So it looks like a lot, um, and it's theoretically a lot for him, but it's not a massive deal. And with the way that it is structured, the team really could move on from Bortles uh, a year from now without much financial pain. There would be some pain, but not much pain. Um, it would be worth it if they thought that they actually had someone who made their offense better. Um, one thing I should note is that when I recorded with JP, the team hadn't yet acquired Cody Kessler from the Browns. He is now the backup Um kind of entrenched there behind Blake Bortles. Uh, I don't know how much pressure, if any, he's going to be putting on Bortles. Um, You know, Kessler, it's hard even to say that he kind of quote unquote flashed at times with the Browns because he really didn't. But um, he looked like he potentially could be a competent game manager. Um, And it seems as if that's sort of what the, the Jags are actually looking for. So if at some point the season Bortles struggles, which it's totally within the realm of possibility, um, Kessler might get some starts. He's young. He's been in the league for a couple of years. Uh, you know, big picture. I'm somewhat doubtful that the team is really sold on Bortles as anything more than a, I don't know, like a would-be Joe Flacco. Um, but the the team might not even care all that much if he if all he is is Joe Flacco, right? Yeah. Um, because that might be enough, given the defense they have and the running game, that might be enough for them still to win a Super Bowl. Um, but I, I think that mentality, that perspective, is um, is pretty inefficient. I, I think it's a big mistake if they are satisfied with having a quarterback who is merely Flacco esque in his upside. You know, if the Jags had the ability to run less of a I don't know. 1980s Bears offense. Uh, they could win multiple Super Bowls. You know the the problem. The problem isn't just Bortles. You know, part of the problem is organizational and the way that the team wants to perform on a weekly basis. But Bortles is part of the problem, and I think the team uh, has oriented itself the way it has because Bortles is the quarterback. I mean, man, if Lamar Jackson were available at pick 29, and I, I don't know if he will be, I kind of doubt he will be, but if he were, the Jags would be incredibly well-served in drafting him immediately and starting him. Uh, I mean, can you imagine Lamar Jackson with that team? Lamar Jackson with D.D. Westbrook. Um, I mean... As a rookie, he could probably do pretty close to what Bortles does now. And he would be a much better runner. I mean, an infinitely better runner. As a rookie, really, he really could do what the team ask of Bortles on a weekly basis. At least what they asked of him last season. right? And then Jackson has so much more long-term potential. Right. We, we know at this point what Bortles is, uh, when the team is down and, uh, they want, you know, uh, they want to sort of accumulate yards. He can do that. Right. Um, if they want him to sort of be a whipped game manager, uh, he can, he can do that. Uh, I don't know if he can actually win games. I think Lamar Jackson has the the potential on his own at some point to take over a game and actually win it for the team. So he has so much more long-term potential and maybe just a little less um, production expectation in the short term, but maybe not. He actually really might even in the short term be a better producer for Bortles because he fits into that run-oriented system so well. Um, you know, hashtag Lamar Jacksonville. It just makes so much sense. It, it, you know, it makes it makes so much sense that it probably won't happen. And again, uh Lamar Jackson, he he might not be available at pick 29. If he is, I think it's a pretty big mistake if the team doesn't draft him. Um you know, again, it's just so hard to know what this team will do early in the draft. Um because there aren't any there aren't any needs that it's easy to say the team is likely to identify as a need, um, so it's hard to know what they're going to do early. I kind of doubt it will be a quarterback. You know, again, probably more linemen to help with the running game, and probably more awesome defenders. To, you know, to make that defense even more terrifying. But as long as the the passing game is is treated like a liability. Uh, And something to be hidden instead of a potential asset and something to be shown off. Uh, I don't know if it really matters what the Jags do in the draft since uh, since I think that their primary problem is less about personnel and more about philosophy of what they want to do as an organization. But that's gonna do it for this Jaguars focused special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Be sure to check out the episodes for all the other teams on Rotoviz in the podcast feed. I'm Matt Friedman, Matt at the Oracle. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to this special edition of Rotoviz Radio, the flagship Rodoviz Podcast. Special thanks to Hassan Rahim, the producer for this episode, and to Colm Kelly, the assistant executive producer for the podcast channel. Please review the show on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL Podcast homepage, Rotoviz.com/slash podcast.
0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop, and as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment